Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. As the leading global provider of ethics and compliance cloud software, Conversant connects ethics to business performance by weaving ethics and values into everyday operations in over 600 of the world's largest companies. Its ethics cloud platform provides a suite of applications, Conversant Insight, Conversant's Helpline, Conversant Campaigns, Conversant Disclosures, and Conversant Third Parties that gives executives insight required to make proactive, informed decisions about their company's ethical health. Conversant's customers include Microsoft, Tesla, Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, Campanini, and Under Armour, who care deeply about driving ethics into the center of their organizations. Check out more at conversant.com. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 22, Assessing Compliance Internal Controls. In the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document under Prong 9, Continuous Improvement and Periodic Testing, it stated, Controls Testing, has the company reviewed and audited its compliance program in the area related to the misconduct, including the testing of relevant controls, collection and analysis of compliance data, and interviews of employees and third parties? How are the results reported and the actions tracked? What controls testing has the company generally undertaking? Fortunately, the 2013 COSO Internal Controls Framework considered assessing compliance internal controls. In its illustrative guide, it laid out its views on how to assess the effectiveness of internal controls. It noted, an effective system of internal controls provides reasonable assurance of the objective, excuse me, the achievement of the entity's objectives relating to operations, reporting, and compliance. Moreover, there are two overarching requirements that can be only met through such a structured post. First, Each of the five components are present and functioning. Second, the five components operating together in an integrated approach. One of the most critical components of the COSO framework is that it sets internal control standards against those which you can audit to assess the strength of your compliance internal controls. As the 2013 COSO framework is designed to apply to a wider variety of corporate entities, your audit should be designed to test your compliance internal controls. 
This means that if you have a multi-business or business unit, multi-country business unit organization, you need to determine how your compliance internal controls are interrelated up and down your organization. The illustrative guide realizes that smaller companies may have less formal structures in place throughout the organization. Your auditing can and should reflect this business reality. If your company relies heavily on technology for your compliance function, you can leverage that technology to support the ongoing assessment and evaluation going forward. The Illustrative Guide suggests a four-pronged approach in your assessment. Number one, make an overall assessment of your company's system of compliance internal controls. This should include an analysis of whether each of the components and relevant principles is present and functioning and the components are operating together in an integrated manner. Two, there should be a component evaluation. Here you need to more deeply evaluate any deficiencies that may turn up and whether or not there are any compensating compliance internal controls. Three, assess whether each principle of your compliance internal controls is present and functioning. The task here is to determine if a deficiency exists, and if so, what is the severity of this deficiency. Four, you should summarize all of your internal controls deficiencies in a log so that they can be addressed on a structured basis. Another way to think through this approach is through a <coughs> component evaluation which rolls up the results of your Components principles evaluations and allows a reevaluation of the severity of any deficiency in your compensating controls. Lastly, an overall effectiveness assessment that would look at whether controls are operating together in an integrated manner by evaluating internal control deficiencies to aggregate to a major deficiency. This type of process would lend itself to an ongoing evaluation so that business models, laws, regulations, or other as other situations are changed, you can assess your internal controls were up to the new situations or needed adjustment. In the area of deficiency, an internal control deficiency is a shortcoming or component or com in a component or components and relevant principles that reduces the likelihood of an entity achieving its objectives. A major deficiency is an internal control deficiency or combination of efficiencies that severely reduces the likelihood an entity can achieve its objectives. Having a major deficiency is significant because when a major deficiency exists, the organization cannot conclude it has met the requirements for an effective system of internal controls. Moreover, unlike deficiencies, a major deficiency is one component cannot be mitigated into an acceptable level by present and functioning of another component. Under a compliance program, you may not be faced with known or relevant criteria to classify any deficiency. For example, if written policies do not have the minimum of categories of policies laid out in the 2012 FCPA guidance, it may uh, the uh, requirements for effective internal controls may not be met. However, if there is no such criteria to evaluate your company's compliance internal controls, what steps should you take? The illustrative guide said that a business's senior management with appropriate board oversight may establish objective criteria for evaluating internal control deficiencies and for how such deficiencies should be reported for those responsible for achieving their objectives. Together with appropriate auditing boundaries set by established law, regulation, or standard, you can then make a full determination of whether the components and relevant principles are functioning and present and operating together. 
the illustrative guide actually provides a useful set of templates that can serve as the basis for your reporting results. They're specifically designed to support an assessment of the effectiveness of a system of internal controls and help doc document such assessment. The document, document, document feature of any <coughs> uh, is critical, of course, to any best practices compliance program, no matter what law it's based on. With the illustrative guide, COSO has given the compliance practitioner a very useful roadmap to begin an analysis into your company's internal compliance controls. When the SEC comes knocking, this is precisely the type of evidence they will be looking for to evaluate if your company has met its obligations under the FCPA internal controls provisions and the DOJ's evaluation regarding ongoing control testing. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, an effective system of internal controls provides reasonable assurance of the achievement of the company's objectives relating to operations, reporting, and compliance. Second, there are two overarching requirements for internal controls. First, that the five components found in the COSO cube are present and functioning. Second, that the five components are operating together in an integrated approach. And Finally, number three, for an anti-corruption compliance program, you can use the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program as supplemented by the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and the FCPA corporate enforcement policy announced in February, excuse me, November 2017 as a guide to test against. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day 22 in my 31 days to a more effective compliance program that I am running through the month of January, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 23. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, sponsored by Conversa. I hope you will join me tomorrow, and indeed for the entire 31 days in January, while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.